Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. March Madness is winding down. We're in April, but we got one more game left. And in the meantime, we continue to count the count the days till draft. Uh, I think I think we're at in seventy eight or seventy nine, something like that. So the uh, the slow march continues on, and we're actually taking a break from the normal agenda today of covering prospects who may or may not be under consideration for your New York Knicks to talk about a very interesting, relevant subject, the G League, with uh, one of the folks who I would consider best equipped to talk about this stuff. It's Dakota Schmidt, none other, um, who you can find on Twitter at Dakota underscore Schmidt. And you can also find him... uh, in his newsletter, the call-up uh, on Substack, which I highly recommend that you folks check out if you're interested in G League or player development or any of that stuff. Um, lots of good interviews and just good stuff in general. Dakota, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, um, I am uh, I'm glad to be here. Um, I personally had some technical difficulties that uh, <laughs> made you wait a good uh, 25 minutes or so. <laughs> Before I was able to hop on uh, on here, but um, I'm I'm glad to join you here on the Draft Strickland podcast and talk G League player development, Westchester Knicks, all that good stuff. Great, and yeah, no no worries on the uh, the wait. I was using it using that time to bang out some. Uh, every year we do these really short, like easily readable draft profiles and. I've been procrastinating on doing them, so it allowed me to bang out the AJ Griffin profile. So I was productive, so no complaints. Oh, nice, on my nice, end. nice. <laughs> Before we get started, I would like to announce the Strickland does have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. It has many tiers, a six dollar tier. That gets you access to this podcast every Friday that I do with Prez, Pod Strickland. Uh, you also get access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where we talk about the Knicks all the time, 24-7. There's live game chats. It's a fun time. Uh, There's further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to weekly articles by the wonderful Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best Knicks writers in the business. You also will get access to my solo podcast, Strick and Roll, uh, where I yell about the Knicks quite a bit. Uh, even more if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a $50 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to a variety of further things like merchandise discounts, 
live watch parties, listening in on podcast recordings, even potentially hosting a podcast yourself alongside us one day. But whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Your support is appreciated. And without further ado, let's talk about the New York Knickerbockers. How how did you kind of get so interested in the G League in the first place? I'm just curious. Um, um, after I graduated from high school, geez, it's about to be uh, about the ten years ago. After I gradu- graduated from high school, um, I wanted I uh, in high school I did some podcasting and did some like journal MBA writing, some Milwaukee Bucks writing because I'm from Wisconsin. But I wanted to uh like take a different route than you know everybody. Like at that point, um, there were you know so many um. You know, obviously, general NBA writers, beat writers, uh, people blogging for, you know, SB Nation or at that time, ESPN, the ESPN True Hoop sites. And um, I wanted to take my, you know, own route in basketball rather than follow the route of, you know, so many people that write about NBA or write about the teams. And I, uh, I noticed that then it was called the the D-League and it was at a, uh, a less, much lesser state than it is now. But um I decided to go that route. Also, I've been always been a fan of like, you know, back in back in like the like in the PS2 days. I always uh, <laughs> in like uh, NBA Live or uh, oh, yeah. NBA 2K franchise mode. I always uh, tore teams down and tried to uh, pick them back apart. So like the like the like the player development and the team development, um, and uh, that kind of uh, brought me into the D slash. Uh, G League and always, you know, just also, you know, being a fan, being a fan of those uh, diamond in the rough type of players. That's awesome, and definitely hats off to you for kind of identifying that and deciding to to really get into it. And um, it's it's something not a lot of folks, you know, there's a lot of people who love basketball and a lot of content out there, but really not that much in the way of G League content, or let alone back then, uh, D League content. Um, and this gets on one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, which is um, before we get into the Westchester Knicks or player development or anything like that, like back when it was the D League, you know, I I didn't even like calling it like the minor leagues of the NBA, which is how I would explain it to people who are not familiar with the NBA like my wife or something. And, you know, you'd get a, a call up here or there to become a role player off the bench or something like that. But as time has gone on, you know, it's become more teams have decided to invest in their own G League affiliates. And you have more players who have come from the G League and become more than role players. You have the Ignite and, you know, which is a whole nother, a whole nother world of the G League that they're, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's only the first of what will end up being many developmental teams in the G League. Um, so it's changed so much in the last couple of years. Um, what do you think has been, like, like, what are your thoughts on how the G League has changed and do you ever wonder or think about like what the G League will look like in like five years from now? 
Yes, I do all the time. And <laughs> I, I like you just like just look at the NBA and you know some of the players that are around teams like uh, look at Christian Wood, uh, mm-hmm. look at you know Lou Dort in OKC, look at Alex Caruso, look at you know uh, Duncan Robinson. Um, a lot of these like, or even even a team like the like the Raptors or Pascal Siakam um, and Fred VanVleet. They uh, both spend a good amount of time with the uh, 905, uh, you know, during their rookie year or during their second year. Now they're both, you know, all-star caliber players and look at the Heat and, you know, their rotation. That's besides, you know, Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle Lowry. It's just basically all, you know, G League alums, right? So the fact that the, the G League has progressed the talent level in the G League has pr- progressed to the point where, you know, the the top of the top, you know, whether it be champions like the Raptors or, you know, the number one seed like like the Heat, the fact that they can either utilize the G League to develop, uh, you know, their players or, you know, pick players from the G League to fit a role and have those, player, have those G League alums play at the level where they're able to produce and they're able to shine and help, you know, a team be at the top of a, you know, top of an NBA conference, right? That is tremendous. And it's some, something I, I really didn't think about, you know, 10 years ago when I started to write up the G League. But um, I feel like because looking, you asked me to look in like five years in the future, um, I think we're going to, see more in like the uh in like the line of the ignite but more of an international flavor like this year um uh they introduced a team called uh um uh, Mexico City Capitanes which is a team made up of uh of international players and uh, I communicate regularly with their uh GM uh, Nick Legios and he um he has said that he wants that team to, like, be the hub for, like, the top Latin American players. And I feel like teams like Capitanis, teams like the Ignite, or, you know, potentially, you know, more teams of top uh, young players is going to be with the G League is about alongside of the uh, minor league affiliates, you know, like Westchester, mm-hmm. Sioux Falls, or the 905. That'd be awesome. Um, that's super cool to hear about uh, the Capitanes, um, that they're not just looking to, you know, you don't have to look to be just a G League team or just a minor league pipeline for a particular NBA franchise, but you can see other niches to fill. And then, you can go and do it. That's it's just nice that they have that they're not like thinking inside of a box and they're getting creative with uh, the role that these different teams can play. Um, I know. Does every team? Does every NBA team have a, an affiliate right now? Do you know off the top? Uh, no. At this point, there are shoot. I think there are only two teams left, and that is. Phoenix and Portland. For a while, Phoenix had their own affiliate in Northern Arizona Suns, mm-hmm. but uh, before uh, before 
like in the midst, like at mm-hmm. the start of like the pandemic. Uh, I didn't know you could do this, but Phoenix sold their affiliate to uh, Detroit. So the team that's currently known as the Motor City uh, Cruise was, I mean, was then known as the Northern Arizona Suns are now known as the Motor City Cruise. And that's why, um, that's why Denver was able to actually get into um, the G League game because you know um, they could just, uh, you know, make a deal with a pre-exi- pre-existing G League team who were then known as the Grand Rapids Drive. Uh, you know, uh, Denver makes a partners for them, and now they're known as the uh, Grand Rapids uh, Grand Rapids Gold. That's cool. I didn't know that, um, and it doesn't surprise me that Phoenix is. Phoenix was the one was the folded given the uh, the financial situation that uh, Sarver Sarver is in, but um, yeah, I was asking I was asking because I remember there was a, a good period where like most like a lot of teams had an affiliate, but not every team, and uh, I I don't know when the tipping point occurred, but at some point in the last couple of years, it, you really began to wonder like, all right, for teams that don't have this, like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, you're you're seeding uh, important competitive advantage for your team here that every other team and all these well-run teams not only have but utilize really effectively. So. I guess we're kind of at the point, not where everyone has it, but uh, it's pretty much an accepted part of the the ecosystem that like you need this and it ain't going anywhere. So uh, that's kind of cool to see. Definitely. Um, kind of related to that. So, you know, for, for people like me who, you know, obviously the Strickland is a Knicks website and draft Strickland is the Knicks blog and we go on tangents and talk about other teams all the time, but it's still, you know, it's still for Knicks fans for the most part. And like, that means the G league team I'm going to watch when I watch the G league is the Westchester Knicks. I, I'll watch some of the other teams, you know, if they're playing the Westchester Knicks, but even other teams with players I like, like I love Sharif Cooper, but I'm not really tuning into, you know, uh, Gosh, what are uh, the Towns Skyhawks? Park. Yeah, yeah the Skyhawks. Yeah, the Skyhawks. I'm not watching the Skyhawks unless it's versus versus the W Knicks. Um, so, as somebody who kind of has the thirty thousand foot view of <laughs> of all these teams and stuff like that, um, putting aside the kind of more unique situations like the Capitanes and the Ignite, um, do you think most teams kind of use their G League in a similar way, or is it, or is it pretty like varied? What do you think? I think I think it's uh, pretty varied. Like you have some teams, like say Texas, or even this year Grand Rapids, where uh, like their teams are either have been or are kind of centered on bringing in vets to play alongside. Of um of the of the prospects, uh, but in most cases it's it is about you know developing developing players you know that can you know go to the next level. Just you know this year, let's go with uh, Westchester. Um, at the start of the year, they had uh, Brandon Williams, mm-hmm. um, on Westchester, who is now uh, who's now I I guess playing great ball with uh yeah with the Portland uh, Trailblazers. Dylan. 
he, yeah, he's absolutely killing it with uh, with Portland. Um, and you know, in the past, Westchester has you know had success of uh, having players get called up to uh, to the New York Knicks, but uh, but yeah, the the G League is probably more it is more so about developing players to the next level than um the wins and the losses on a you know game by game basis yeah that's something i i so i've i do i have watched a lot of ignite games for scouting purposes that's the one exception to my mostly w nicks rule and it's super clear for them that like you know they have a mix of vets and then young guys, and they decided, and they did the same thing last year, where they decided, you know, we're going to get you reps doing these certain things that you may or may not have done before at the high school level, but that you might have to do at the NBA level. And it might look ugly sometimes, but you're mm-hmm. going to get this work, you're going to get this practice, and you're going to do it. Um, and I feel like this year's Ignite was a pretty extreme case of that in some situations like they had Jaden Hardy taking tons of shots hard ones um you know and that resulted in a lot of really ugly stat lines for him early on and he's he's gotten better as the season has gone on um at least watching Westchester there I I do see some of that like with Deuce McBride they you know at West Virginia he he took half of his shots were mid-range jumpers and they hardly ran any pick and roll. But in Westchester, they're like, all you're going to do is run pick and roll and you're going to put up a bunch of threes. So, you know, that was kind of similar to the Ignite where for someone like Deuce, they they picked a role and they told him, whenever you do find yourself down here, this is what you're going to do. And you're going to have to kind of sink or swim. And obviously he flourished in, in his G League games. Um it's just always interesting to me, like if I was the GM of a G league franchise working with the, you know, the front office of a big franchise, do you, do you use it to put players to let them refine situations that they're already familiar with? Like say, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, we're a playoff franchise and we're looking at our G league affiliate. Like we don't really need to let, like if I if I have Giannis and Drew and Chris on my big team, you know I'm looking for complementary role players to help win a championship now. So I'm targeting using the G League to help guys hone those skills. But you still got to balance that with like younger, more upsidey guys who might need to like mess up stuff and dribble the ball off their foot every now and then. So there's just a lot of different ways that franchises franchises i feel like can approach their g league teams and that's what makes it so fascinating to me um uh to stick with westchester for a second like have have you noticed anything any trends about them or any just like what are your thoughts on how westchester has been run or used and not just this year but the last couple years um, in terms of like the like the long term, um, my long term views of Westchester, I've um, I've liked them, especially you know when uh, when Mike Miller mm-hmm. was their has coach. Like it might have been twenty seventeen, eighteen. I think it was the year before he became the interim coach with mm-hmm. uh, New York. So I think that was twenty seventeen, eighteen, where um, 
it was it was the year that both both uh, Luke Cornett and Isaiah T- Hicks were the two-way mm-hmm. players, and that season, every single member of their starting five on opening day was called up to the NBA, whether they were two-way players or you know mm-hmm. guys on standard G contracts. That's the year that they had uh, Ni- uh, Nigel Hayes and oh, yeah. uh, Trey Burke. So. After after that season, and you know now you know this season, or, or the last few seasons with you know uh, Derek Alston uh, senior um, as their head coach, I've I've you know definitely enjoyed um, uh, watching watching you know the Knicks uh, Westchester Knicks organization. Uh, I I like seeing how uh, how Derek Olson runs his team, and you know some players on the roster like this this year in particular. You know, alongside Brandon Brand Williams, who was uh, called up. Um, I'm a I'm a big proponent proponent of Amir Sims. I'm a oh, huge yeah. uh, Amir Sims guy, and also uh, Dewan Hernandez, who uh, Westchester had this year, is you know so much fun to watch as as a big that can you know. Um, can you show this series a big that can both score on the perimeter, you know, and you know really work as as a role man. So while um while Westchester uh, didn't have the success that they needed to get into the get into playoffs, they were you know on the verge of it this year. Um, I have you know been a fan of uh of you know Westchester dating back, you know almost five years ago when Mike Miller, you know, was their head coach with, you know, Trey Burke, Isaiah Hicks, and uh, Luke Cornett. I just like how with Westchester, they always seem to, it's clear that there, there's a plan with mm-hmm. not only the individual players, but the team as a whole, like, and, you know, some teams will replicate exactly the playing style of their big league franchise. And that's not really the case with the Westchester Knicks, probably because the real Knicks haven't had a true identity for play style that's <laughs> lasted more than a year and a half. So that makes it kind of difficult compared to like, you know, Daryl Morey's G League team or whatever, you know, back when he was in Houston and where I'm sure they were running and gunning in a similar fashion to the Rockets. Um but with with Westchester, you know they they just like the the big Knicks modernized their shot profile this year. It was a lot of that for Westchester, right? Like Samanich before he got injured was getting all these stretch five minutes, and they were just nobody was afraid to chuck him up and to do what they had to do to to score and run a bunch of pick and rolls and stuff like that. And you know there was no way to simulate like, oh, what if what would these guys do if Julius Randle's there? But if you look at what the Knicks did in free agency and in the draft recently, they've been focusing on guys who can pull up, create their own offense a little bit, and can shoot. And mm-hmm. you see that with, you know, guys ranging from Deuce who get drafted and then placed in the G League. And then Williams, who you mentioned, is now hooping for Portland bright spot as they tank away the rest of their season. Um, Samanich, who was really, really good before he got hurt. Um, even even Amir Sims, who's like pretty versatile for a big guy and he's a good passer and all that. So, like, I, I see the vision for what they're trying to do. And, yeah. and it's pretty it's pretty encouraging. 
And that kind of gets me to the another topic I wanted to pick your brain on. So a popular discussion right now among Knicks fans is like, put Julius Randle aside. Aside from him, we have a couple of vets who are talented, you know, Alec Burks, Evan Fournier, guys like that. Um, some vets who are probably either on their way out or injured, like Nerlens and Taj Gibson. And then you have this big kind of glut of good but not amazing young players. Like R.J. Barrett obviously is talented. IQ Barrett, I mean IQ Barrett. <laughs> IQ is pretty talented. Mitchell Robinson is talented. And then you got the younger, younger guys like Grimes and Obi. And now Cam Reddish is in the mix and Deuce without even getting to Rokas Yokobaitis overseas, who they also drafted, and Jericho Sims, who also was great in the G League this year and is now finally getting some damn minutes for Tibbs. Um, so, like, if for the Knicks, it's it's very, like, not even, even if I was emperor of the Knicks, I could not make playing time for all of them because it, there's too many. So, like, it, what, at some point, the Knicks either have to consolidate whether that's you know trading a couple of players for a star or maybe for future picks or something i don't know and but aside until they do that you're left with the choice of these guys travel with the big team and don't get minutes or they go to the g league and play and have you seen around the league like more quote-unquote crowded teams like that where like well, I guess that's the first question. And the second question is, you know, do you have do you have any thoughts on, like, with young guys, the pros and cons of letting them go work with the G League versus just traveling with the, you know, their NBA team and maybe not getting minutes, but you're practicing and all that? Like, have – I know you've talked to a lot of GMs and G League coaches. Like, what's are, – are there – is there, like, a variety of opinions on that? Or are, is it mostly, like, one school of thought, you think? I think the entire NBA is crowded. <laughs> <laughs> I think, think the, entire, the entire NBA is what? <laughs> it's crowded. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> I, when you when I look at the level of talent in the G League, um, you know, with the implementation of two A's or, you know, just in general, when it comes to the amount of, you know, talented vets that are that's around the G League, I just just get the opinion that the NBA in general is is crowded, but but yeah, I definitely agree with you on how it's you know how a team is situated and you know what their play, immediate you know plans are of why you know you know you know playoff teams don't want to you know put you know rookies in the G League rather than you know having them um you know you know you know get the reps in you know at the NBA level and you know risk hurting you know a team in a on a game by game you know basis as they're you know trying to make a push or playoffs or trying to make their push to the uh, plan, but like there are so many players in the G league that I look at them and I see, okay, that guy should <laughs> in like an ideal scenario, that guy is talented enough to be in the, in the G league guy, like I, or in the NBA, like I watch a mere Sims. I'm like, I think, I think he's good enough. Right. Like <laughs> I think he's talented enough to be in the NBA rotation. And, you know, if, if a team like, you know, Portland, you know, that's, you know, tanking saw him, I feel like he can, you know, make a similar type of impact, 
you know, at the different position than what Brandon Williams is doing right now. So to answer your question briefly, I think the entire NBA is crowded, and that's why the talent level in the G League when it comes to standard player standard G League players and, you know, guys on um you know, uh, standard G League players and, you know, signees is at a level that I never imagined it to be, you know, five years ago or, you know, 10 years ago. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details, which I'm going to read to you now, and I probably shouldn't have read that part. All right. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire, 888-789-7777, or visit http ccpg.org slash chat. Uh, that's in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP, uh, and that or text seven eight seven eight six seven for LA eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine in New York. Visit opgr.org. That's in Oregon. Call or text Tennessee Redline one eight hundred eight eight nine nine seven eight nine for Tennessee or one eight eight five three two thirty five hundred for Virginia. Must be twenty one plus or eighteen and over in New Hampshire and Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See, see HTTP DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Okay, cool. So it's good to know it's not just the Knicks and I'm not just going crazy here because it's it's one of those things where, you know, I'm sure the NBA powers that be always think about things like expansion and adding a new franchise. But until then, this is really what you're stuck with. You only have so many roster spots and that forces teams, at least the smart ones, to consider the question of playing time for my prospects in the G League versus with the big team. And then politics kind of goes into it because, you know, you look at, like, what the Warriors did with Moses Moody. He was a a top pick, and they let him get a couple of games with the G League. But still, you know, he still traveled largely with the big team. And so, you know, if you draft a guy in the lottery, it's probably a little harder in terms of optics to say, all right, we're going to send this guy down 
you know, for a couple months or something like that. Um, because the front offices obviously value those guys getting acclimated to like the NBA culture and working with the NBA teams and the coach that hopefully is going to be their coach and shit like that. So it's one of those things where like, I'm just, you know, thinking about the younger players in this upcoming draft, right? The Knicks have a lottery pick. You have guys who won't even be 19 yet at draft time, like AJ Griffin or Shaden Sharp, or, you know, it could be other guys as well, but those are the two guys in the top 10 who are really young. And, you know, part of me is like, I understand that there's no substitution for getting acclimated to the NBA, but would it be so bad for, for those guys to just be assigned to the G league for more than a couple of games and to work on specific things, kind of like how Deuce did. Cause it, I mean, we haven't seen the results translate perfectly yet for Deuce because when he c- plays with the big Knicks, he, he's not playing point guard ball handler like he does for Westchester. He's more of a kind of three and D guard, but like you can tell Deuce has made that adjustment. Like he's no longer afraid of putting up threes like he was in college and preferring mid range shots and stuff like that. So, um, you know, if, if you were, if, if you were the, if you were Dakota emperor of like the <laughs> Westchester Knicks or whatever, or the Knicks, you know, right. instead of James Dolan, thankfully, uh, in this timeline, and you had a, like an 18 year old Shaden Sharp or AJ Griffin, like, how, how would you think about the, the options available in terms of traveling, assuming that you like you can't find starters minutes for your top 10 pick like how do you how does the g league come into the calculation for you um if the the rotation is so where that player can't at least get like 15 minutes a game i'm gonna have him go to the g league i'm gonna have him go to the g league you know get you know 30 minutes a game and just continue to get those reps because it doesn't matter if you're playing basketball football um, if you're trying to learn the drums or the guitar, like you only improve <laughs> by getting reps in. And, you know, for, you know, an 18, 19 year old player, getting those reps in in the G League where you're competing against, you know, extremely talented, <laughs> talented players. Again, um, the NBA is so crowded where you have, you know, NBA vets just on G League rosters waiting to get their opportunity to return. And you also have 22, 23-year-old guys that are just coming off of being all-conference, you know, college players or, you know, poor, you know, second-round or late first-round picks two, three years ago and are also looking to get their opportunity in the NBA. Like, a player getting those reps in um, in, you know, big minutes, which, you know, assignees get – that is going to if you have a you know if you have a good system in place like I do believe that the Westchester Knicks have with you know a you know somebody who I believe to be a very you know solid uh, coach when it comes to player development in uh, Derek Austin Jr. Then I would absolutely have that player go to the G League rather than hoping to hoping that their team either you know wins by 25 30 or loses by 25 and 30 and play like five ten minutes of garbage time 
Yeah, that's the tricky balance to strike because, you know, it, it's – I know on Twitter especially we can – you know, we're like, play all the kids all the time, and the Knicks are stupid for not doing that. There's no two ways about it, especially in the position they are in right now. But, like, if you have somebody, whether it's a young player or an old player – who really thinks they're better than some rookie. Like, it's hard to tell them, like, no, you're going to back up this teenager because we have to develop him. Like, that's – it's tough from, like, a culture standpoint to do that. So um, unless you're a team like OKC where it's kind of a, a organized chaos of young guys and, you know, you're not really competing with that many older players – and everybody kind of gets a shot to do their thing, then then it becomes tough, you know, as teams accumulate assets, you know, and that's exactly the position the Knicks find themselves in. So um, it'll be real interesting to see uh, how they unfuck the roster glut a little bit in this offseason and what role the G League plays in that. Um, to go to talk about a couple of particular players, um, I want to focus on Williams and Deuce because they've clearly, along with Samanish before he got hurt, they've been like the success stories to me for the Westchester Knicks. Um, you know, it's like automatic meme generation pretty much anytime what Deuce goes down there for a night and throws up some silly stat line and then comes back and rides the bench or whatever. And like how – I. <laughs> Have you, to start with Deuce, um, with any, or I guess with any of these guys, like you have to, co- you're already covering so many teams. Like, do you get a chance to watch some of these younger players before they get to the G League, like when they're in college or not so much, or just kind of only if it's by chance? Um, after the G League season is done, I try to uh, uh, binge as much college film. As possible, but for me, I try to look at guys that I that might like be you know mm-hmm. mid to late second rounders or two ways or exhibit tens and watch their film. So uh, Deuce McBride is somebody that really <coughs> sorry uh, didn't really show up on my. Uh, I, I watched. I think I watched like two or three of his college games. I love what I see. Is it's just his how like how aggressive and how dynamic he was on defense and just it was just something that you had to keep your eyes on. He he he's just somebody that you had to really focus on and just love what he what he saw of him when he was at West Virginia. But I I never imagined that he would be, you know, the kind of shooter that he is or was, you know, when he was uh, with with Westchester and with uh, Brandon Williams. I didn't know much about Brandon Williams leading into the season, but he's he was always somebody that kept on, you know, making plays as a facilitator, and he's just somebody that kept on uh, putting up shots and putting up shots and putting up shots. And during you know the first part of the season, uh, it was I guess uh, this year they have uh, two parts: the showcase uh, cup portion and the regular season. Um, in the showcase portion. Um, in the first part of the season, which, you know, happened from in November and December, uh, Brandon kept on putting up shots, but, you know, more times than not, he didn't, you know, make those make those threes, and I think he shot like 26, 27% from beyond the arc. Uh, but in the, you know, in the second half, 
you know, those reps started to pay off, and he was a 36% three-point shooter. And if you combine that with his work as, as a facilitator and his work as, you know, off the dribble thread as somebody that can, you know, get to the free throw line at a regular basis, you know, it makes sense as to why uh, he caught, you know, Portland's eye as, you know, somebody that uh, they can stick on their roster and, you know, give plenty of time to when, you know, they're – in full-on, you know, take mode as they are, uh, as they are, you know, this late into, you know, the NBA season. Yeah, and for, for listeners who are less familiar with Brandon Williams, he's been putting up a couple of uh, remarkable stat lines for Portland. If you look at his season stats, that you'll, you'll see like, oh, like 39, 31, 70 slash line, like, yes, He's not going to get an all-star vote anytime soon. But, you know, he's shooting, like, over 60% on twos. He's not afraid to put up threes. He's he's a willing and solid passer. So, like, the fact that this just rotation player was basically, you know, for a team like Portland is created out of thin air when they have injuries and they're tanking. It's, it's not nothing. And then, you know, you think – and that's what made it so much more frustrating – for some of us Knicks fans who do follow the G League, because we're like, Brandon Williams is good. But when he played with Deuce, you knew who was the man. It was Deuce. And he can't crack the damn rotation. So it was just, it's just been a source of, uh, of ire and frustration for, for Knicks fans. But hopefully, uh, he'll, you know, get some chance to shine either. In these last couple games or next year or shit, maybe even on another team. I just, at this point, like, I just want him to play. Even if it's not on the Knicks, like, I'll root for him at this point, man. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I always, I always refer, uh, I don't get a chance to watch as much NBA as I want to because, um, you know, between, between my yeah. uh, G League work and uh, taking care of my dog and I'm also um, closing in on getting my bachelor's. Uh, degree. I have one more uh, term left, which uh, starts oh, tomorrow. There. <laughs> um, <laughs> as of uh, the time they were talking, um, I don't watch as much basketball NBA as I watch, but you know I do follow basically all NBA <laughs> uh, Twitter. So I see you know what guys like Brandon Williams are doing, and I and I just I just despite how long I've been doing this, I I continue. I can't help but smile, and I can't help uh, be proud of what these, of what G League alums do when they get that call up and when they shine. I just get this biggest smile on my face. I just get extremely, extremely proud of what you know what they're you know capable of doing in the NBA when they get that sh- chance because that's all we need is a chance. Yeah, I think that's the ultimate like base emotional appeal of the G League. It's like, these are dudes who are super talented and they could go make more money somewhere else, but they're deciding my dream was specifically to play in the league and I'm going to continue working at that and I'm going to see where it takes me. So it's just a, you know, they're they're all easy to root for because of that. Um, real quick, uh, turning away from Westchester and towards the Ignite, um, what I've been really impressed, and I alluded to it before, was like they, like this year, Coach Jason Hart and whoever, I don't know who's like 
doing the decision making at like the managerial level for the Ignite or how that um, works? When it comes to the Ignite program, that uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to like uh, the process of scouting players and you know trying to bring them mm-hmm. to sign with the Ignite program, that's um, actually Rod Strickland that is oh, yeah. doing the work. The website's namesake. I should have known that. Uh, <laughs> out here, jeez. Uh, we might have to edit that one out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so that's awesome because, like, it, it's a unique challenge because you you have almost like a recruiting element in addition to a scouting element, and then you have you have decisions to make and about their role that can have real implications for their future, and you're not being driven by a particular team and. Almost every first rounder that has come through the Ignite program this year and last year is a case of that. But the one example I've been thinking a lot about lately is Dyson Daniels, who he played point guard for the Australian under-19 team. He played point guard for the Ignite even before Scoot got there. And once Scoot got there, he still continued to mostly play point guard. So they're giving him point guard reps and it's not a guarantee that he's an NBA point guard, right? Like he's, his shot has gotten better, but he's not, nobody's going to call him a sniper and he's big and strong and can dribble, but he's not really like consistently penetrating like Scoot Henderson is. And obviously that's kind of unfair to compare anyone to Scoot, but like he doesn't do that kind of point guardy rim pressure stuff that Scoot does. So, like, in another alternate universe, I could see a team using Dyson in the G League, how the G League used Marjan Beauchamp this year as, like, a, you know, like a 3 and D do-it-all wing, because Dyson can do that, too. But they chose Dyson to get on-ball reps, Marjan to stay off-ball, and... You know, as a some as an armchair draft evaluator, I'm trying to think of like these hypotheticals. Like, okay, is a team best served to continue to develop Dyson as a point guard? Is it and work through the lumps with his shooting and his driving, or let him just be a kind of Alex Caruso type? And then for a player like Marjon, conversely, I'm like, do you just accept that he's not gonna really be like a shot creator and just gonna you know, he's really good at doing the things he did for the Ignite, finishing shots and cutting and high energy and being a defender and all that. Like, these questions are all really fascinating to me. So um, I don't know if you have any, that was kind of a ramble. I don't know if you have any thoughts or insights into like how a team like the Ignite can possibly even approach those complicated questions. (laughs) I feel like when it comes to the, the, um, the core talent that are on this year's version of the Ignite, I feel like it kind of like left Jason Hart with a with a really difficult challenge because you have, like you said, you have three players in Jane Hardy, in Dyson Daniels, and Marshawn Buchamp, who work best when they you know when they have the ball in their hands, and you also have to give the ball to the veterans that you bring in and kind of you know mix that up where I feel like the Ignite this year didn't have enough, you know, off ball players that, you know, you have to, you know, put Buchamp and, you know, Dyson Daniels in a role that they're really, you know, not familiar with, which 
you know, is can, you know, make things difficult for, you know, uh, you know, either, you know, wanna be um draft scouts or actual, you know, uh, NBA <laughs> right. uh draft scouts, but I still feel like the like the lumps that the Ignite, you know, took at the start of the season. Like I feel like for especially Jane Hardy, but Daniels and Butchamp, those lumps started to, you know, you know, pay off towards the uh, towards the end of the season, even though um you know those weren't really shown by uh, by the you know win loss record. Yeah, that's that's a good way of looking at it. I think um, how just just because this is a draft podcast, I, I do have to ask: How would you rank the three of them as NBA prospects? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I've seen every configuration for how people would order them, so there's no I, consensus. I'm a, I'm a bit, I've Geez, since since last last time I've made a big uh every actually before he signed with Ignite, I've been a big Dyson Aos guy and I love what I saw of him uh, last year in the U nineteens and he didn't he didn't uh look the best uh this year in, in with the Ignite, but I'd probably go Hardy Daniels and Butchamp, even though I love Butchamp. It's just uh Jane Hart like the like the upside of Jane Hardy as in on the dribble thread, like he is so quick with the ball in his hands. But the thing is, when, when he like, like for so long this season, like with that quickness, he just continued to you know drive with the talent that uh, with the ball around that ball around where I just got frustrated. Like the like the potential of Jaden Hardy with his quickness and. You know, with his with a shot that I just I, I feel like he is number one with that duo. I mean, with that trio. So I go like I said, I go Hardy, Daniels, and Buchamp, and I make get a lot of get a lot of stuff from uh, from you know the NBA draft pe- people that are listening to this. I feel like it's about fifty fifty, Dyson first, Hardy second, and Hardy first, Dyson second. Um, so I, I think you're safe. I, I've switched it up. I started the year. I had Marjan first, um, cause I was a big fan of him from backpack. Like when he was playing in high school, um, he, uh, I caught my, he caught my attention. Um, some people put me on and, you know, obviously in high school, all these guys are more on ball players and he was running pick and rolls and pulling up and he was like shooting was, I know he has bad shooting numbers on the ignite, but shooting was considered his strength then. And then, uh, you know, he took the the gap year and then came back and taller and stronger and uh, for the ignite, um, looking more bouncy too. So, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, he's he's got this like Devin Vassell kind of vibes going on right now, but. I've seen him do more on ball, so maybe there's a little more upside than I thought. And he's bigger than the other guys, so should he be higher? And then you know you hear reports the next day that Dyson Daniels is now six foot eight. So I'm like, okay, so Dyson's the same height as Marjan now. So should Dyson be better? And then I watched. I had kind of closed the book on the ignite early on in the season. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm. I, lo- I love the draft stuff, but like I can't watch everything. So I, I did my scouting, closed the book. 
And then everybody was talking about how much better they were playing at the end of the season. And I'm like, all right, shit, I guess I got to watch some recent Ignite games. And Hardy looked night and day different. Um, He still has some inefficient stat lines, but like, I rarely found myself being like, what a stupid shot that was or a stupid Mm -hmm. decision. Whereas early in the season, that happened all the time. So like, you know, when you're talking small sample, like, I don't care. Like, yes, I hope the shot goes in, but like if the decision-making is sound, that's the more important thing for me. And his decision-making has improved a lot. So right now, I can't even remember who I think, I think I have Harden. I mean, Harden, (laughs) Hardy (laughs) and Dyson in like the same tier and Dyson. I think I have, I have one of them ahead. Dyson higher on my, I have two boards, one for the Knicks and then just a general one. And I think I had Dyson higher on the one for the Knicks because he can play defense and we really need that. I mean, I'm, we're all right at defense, but he's he's a quick passer and we really need that. Um, but I have other, you know, there's other friends who write for the Strickland who are like, no, Hardy has the highest upside. He's highest on my board at the end. So can't really... Uh, go wrong here, but I'm really interested to see how the, the NBA evaluators kind of view it. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, uh, what I hope you uh, don't mind if I uh, use this discussion uh, yeah. for inspiration for a uh, for Twitter, uh, Twitter question, for a Twitter post. Do it. All right, Do all it. right. And I'll make sure to not, unless you want a specific sample of Knicks fans, I won't retweet it because we could come in and, like, fuck the poll up because <laughs> – It'll just skew the sample because it's a crazy psychopathic group <laughs> on Twitter that happens all. I've learned as somebody who, you know, like I I like watching all these prospects and not all of them are going to go to the Knicks. Like I'll spend like a, a week tweeting about one prospect and then compare them to some other prospect, not for the Knicks, but just in general. And then everybody from Knicks Twitter is like, but you were just hyping up this old prospect. So I'm going to vote for love. And it messes up the whole poll. So uh, I'll try to, to not ruin your research if I can. (laughs) So I I actually have a question for you when it comes to like, like scouting purposes, how do you feel like, like watching, watching these ignite prospects in the situation that they're in, and like the level of talent that they compete against, you know, compared to like a like a like a SEC player or a Big Ten mm-hmm. player or you know a Big Twelve player that you watch. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think the the talent in the G League, like you have certain players in college that could come into the G League and probably dominate right now, but that's not most players, right? Like, yeah you have juniors and sophomores and seniors who aren't going to play in the NBA and aren't even going to play basketball. And they're going up against, you know, Paolo Banquero or whatever. Like, so you have a really wide range um, of guys in college. So I I feel like there's a little more consistency of competition. Um, I think generally speaking, like what, you know, there might, especially in the really good conferences, there might be a little bit more raw, like, basketball talent sometimes. But at the same time, like, th- these guys have had more years to refine their craft. And just like we see rookies get way better from their rookie year to their sophomore season, 
the same is true of guys who aren't in the league. Like they're also practicing and they're also improving. So just because it's, you know, some player who you might not have heard of, but they've had four years to hone their craft. Like that's, that's going to be tough for, you know, in a lot of situations that might be tough for a 17 year old to handle or an 18 year old. So I kind of view it as um, like similar level of college, but more physical and better, much better shooting. So, you know, that's why I, I don't know off the top of my head what G League scores are, but it's a high scoring league, right? Like there's a lot more running and three point shooting than college. And style wise, that seems to be the biggest difference to me. Um, you know, it's more similar to the NBA in that respect. Um, so it is kind of an art more than a science um, with guys like, like last year we, we all had to kind of adjust to it with green and Kuminga. Um, and we're kind of seeing a similar path this year with Hardy when, and like the gist is when you're talking perimeter prospects, it does take a while to get acclimated to that physicality in the G league and stuff like that. If you're, talking more physical players like Marjan or, you know, even Michael Foster, um, they probably have a little bit easier time adapting, I feel like, to to the G League. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, But I'm really interested to see, you know, how it goes with the Ignite. With the Knicks, like with Deuce and and Sims, I, I look... I look at it as more as an opportunity to see like what skills are they working on and whether that's working or not. Cause Deuce clearly had to work on making some of those mid rangers into threes. And then he also had to work on penetrating and the former he was able to do really successfully, but the latter he still wasn't like amazing at like the game where he scored 40. I think he had six floaters, which is awesome, but like you're, probably not going to get six floaters made shots in an NBA game, especially if you're deuce. So, um, you know, like it's awesome that he can shoot the lights out, but he's still going to need to work on dribble penetration if he really wants to be a, a ball handling guard in the NBA. So like, you know, with, with those players, I, I don't, I kind of use it as like, how are, when I'm evaluating, it's a question of how are they working on this skill or that skill specifically rather than like, oh, his overall game was good, so therefore his overall game will be good in the NBA, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that you know, that definitely that definitely makes sense. And I feel like when 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 folks like look at assignees or like look at like the production of two way players and they're, you know, putting up thirty plus uh mm-hmm. per game regularly, like I feel like those numbers are misleading due to due to the pace mm-hmm. of the league and due to the amount of shots that get put up. And do like to like if you're a two way player and if you're a signee, you're going to get a lot of reps, and your usage percentage is going to be as high as whomever the number one or number two option for an NBA team. Because for a D league team, they're that number one, you know, and number two option. So. If your if your usage percentage is high and you're a you know a a guard or a wing that you know you know focuses on you know scoring, whether it's you know 
from beyond the arc or, you know, or as slasher, your numbers, you know, are going to be high. So I feel like, you know, just, just like the aspect of, uh, like looking at somebody's like an assignee's like G League numbers, like you have to you know go in depth, more in depth than uh, you know a per game basis because like mm-hmm. I said, the usage percentage and minutes that they get, and just like the overall you know pace of the league, it it kind of kind of lies to you a bit. <laughs> yeah, does that, that make sense? Yeah, 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 for sure. And I've had people kind of. Tons of Nick fans have wondered the same thing, like these, like both from the scores, from Deuces stat lines, and then just from the highlights. Like it can get pretty freewheeling sometimes. So uh, they're like, oh, "How? What should I? What should I do with this information about how great Deuce is doing?" Because, like me personally, I was really high on Deuce, like the highest of all draft Twitter by coincidence before the Knicks picked him, and. That's cool, but, like, most people had Deuce closer to where he was drafted, like, late first, early second. So, most people see, okay, late first, early second type player, lighting it up in the G League, like a lot of other players do. So, is this real? Is this not? I I don't know. So, I, I think most NBA fans are still kind of learning to figure out what to do with information from the G League, which is fine. And I think as the G League becomes more of a fixture for higher profile young players, whether it's through the Ignite or, you know, later first round picks on crowded teams or whatever, or even guys like Moody and uh, Wiseman who are, you know, getting chances to practice or in Wiseman's case, like practice while rehabbing from injury and all that. Like, I think people will not, it's still even though the G league D league has been around for a while, it's still so new to people and it's evolving so fast that like we're nerds and we love this stuff. So we get to like keep up with it. But for most people it's like, huh? Like this is this thing that I know exists, but I don't know too much about it. So, which is why I'm so happy that, you know, folks like you are writing about it and, you know, other places are finally um, starting to give it attention. I'm glad that they're throwing some of the G league games on YouTube doing stuff like that. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, um, that's as good a place as any to wrap up. Um, thank you again for joining. This was super informative for me and hopefully informative for everybody who's listening and crossing their fingers that Deuce will get some damn minutes before the end of the season. <laughs> um, do you want to let folks know where they can find you? And if you want to plug any of your work, please please go ahead because uh, more people need to know about it. <laughs> All right, so um, I can be found on Twitter at Dakota underscore Schmidt, D-A-K-O-T-A underscore S-C-H-M-I-D-T, first name like the states and uh, last name like uh, the letters that I just gave you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <I'm trying laughs> we'll link. We'll link to I'm the tra- profile. I'm, I'm, I'm trying stuff. to be. I'm trying to be slick. I'm trying to be clever, but uh, but uh, sometimes that, that doesn't work. But. Um, um, I um, I have my own newsletter, the call up that can be found at the callup.substack.com, but it's also in the in the bio of uh, my Twitter profile. And um, even though Westchester is not going to be in it, um, I am going to have um, when you post it. If you uh, 
previews of the Eastern Conference on Monday and the Western Conference on Tuesday. I'm not sure when you uh, post this. So uh, either the Eastern or both the Eastern and Western Conference uh, playoff uh, previews are going to be up uh, when you uh, when you listen to this. So if you want to learn about the G League playoffs, even though the uh, West Western Knicks are not going to be in it, uh, that's going to be the place for you. You heard the man. Go check that stuff <laughs> out. Get your basketball knowledge up. Learn what's going on in the G League. Thank you again, Dakota. And on that note, everybody else, thanks for listening. Catch us on the next episode of Jeff Strickland, where we will likely return to the million-dollar question of who will the Knicks pick with their lottery pick. The New York Knicks. Here's David Stern. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.